are listening to the Why Are You Interview Podcast, Episode 2. Hi, kitty cats. I am Amethysta Herrick, your hostess for Why Are You, an interview podcast about identity. In the last episode, we talked a bit about identity in general, where it comes from, and how it is not necessarily informed by the opinions of people around us. In this episode, we meet Dr. Shannon Webb, a physician and, in my opinion anyway, political activist and LGBTQ ally. Check the show notes for more information. This content is brought to you by subscribers of my Substack publication. If you already subscribe, thank you so much. If you would like to support shows like this one, as well as my writing, please consider subscribing using links you will find again in the show notes. Enjoy hearing this discussion with Shannon. All right, so today on the on the show, I have Dr. Shannon Webb with me. Shannon, thank you so much for um, agreeing to, to talk. So thank Shannon, you, is that... <laughs> thank you. I don't often get that. Um, so Shannon, I mentioned I have exactly one question, and, and here is the question for you. Um, could you give me five words, the top five words that come to mind that define Shannon Webb? Yeah, that's an extremely tough question. I've, I've actually attempted to think about it on my walks over the last couple of weeks, and I just keep getting further and further into the rabbit hole. And, mm. uh, and I will eventually answer the question, but I want to just speak to how I think, for me, how difficult it is because so many of you know, a lot of you know my spiritualities wake up and say, "What what roles should I be filling today? What what do I need to have the uh, bandwidth for? What does what would my higher power have me do?" And uh, so much of that is you know I'm taking on a lot of what something outside of me is expecting of me. I'm agreeing with right. it and going along with it and pursuing that, but that's not my identity. That's a role I've agreed to accept. And determining how much of that is, you know, deep down me versus this learned role or this uh, maybe a philosophy that I've agreed to go along with, uh, teasing out the difference I think can be very difficult because right. it, even with my 50 word answer to your initial email, a lot of it was labels. You know, I'm a, I'm a dad some days, I'm a husband, I'm a, I'm a, a physician, I'm a person in recovery. I'm, but again, how much of that is deep down me? And then to, to speak to also understanding um, your transition over the last couple of years and how much of that is uh, of my gender identity or sexual orientation is me and how much is learned. And so I, uh, uh, I'm going to have difficulty answering the question. And even I may, you know, do the intellectual tennis back and forth with you and I ask you to ask me more pointed questions. You know, what do you mean <laughs> by that? Uh, and so again, now that I've rambled about that, ask the question again and see if I'm able to. To, to give a, a more, a more complete answer. See, the, the or even is- an answer. Cause I'm not, I'm, I'm, I've hemmed and hauled about nothing so far. But see, you haven't actually, because 
I got um, at the very least that you that you are a thinker. You are spiritual. You are thinker because you you've considered what what uh, do you accept a role or do you build your own identity? You know that's interesting. You've mentioned your higher power that that you are spiritual, and then you mentioned labels. You know the the mm-hmm. two that I picked up in particular were dad and physician, uh, husband. Actually, I missed that one. Um, you also mentioned a person in recovery. And then you also mentioned that you consider uh, gender and 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 sexuality, gender identity, sexuality. So, with that sort of cheap recap, no, it's great. Thank you. What what five words? What top five words would you use to describe Shannon Webb? Okay, deliberate. Some of these I don't want to get into what I what what I would aspire to be, but what mm. I deep down am. I'm just Irish. I'm a fairly uh, sexually passionate person. So desirous, as far as deep down in my core, I think I came out of the womb with that, uh, for better for worse. Um, and then just my curiosity with coming on today with gender and sexuality i would say i would say yes i'm a man or masculine individual or male whatever label we want to put there i would say yes and even that's a percentage you know i'm like 95 percent uh and then my i would say heterosexual so a man who's attracted to women but even now i think about it it's well heck my wife has shorter hair than I do. There are some androgynous <laughs> qualities, which I love about her. And I'm right. very attracted to, but then in general, I, I think I'm mostly attracted to femininity. So there are, there are men who have feminine characteristics that I find attractive. Now, does that mean, could I have a relationship with them? I don't know. I don't think I could really seal the deal if you know what I mean, but I still find some men attractive, but I think it's often because of their feminine traits. Um, how many more words do I need to define it now? Well, I got four. Okay. Do you have one more? So deliberate, passionate, male, and I threw, I think, heterosexual in there. You also mentioned curiosity. So I wrote that one down just. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know if that would be one of my core. <laughs> I think that's been a, a learned thing. I think oh, I, sure. I, I exercise curiosity. I don't think I uh, intrinsically possess much of it. Hmm. Fair. Fair. So just? Just. No, I can certainly waver from that. I have some of my, I have some, narcissistic tendencies which make me think sometimes the rules don't apply to me uh, but I think I have a sense of what is just even right. when I betray it I think right. I have a keen sense as to what that is so so something I notice and and this stands out because you know the reason um the reason you and I are speaking at all right is that I put out a post on Mastodon um, that you that you responded to, and so I've I've looked through you know what you what you personally 
uh, blog on Mastodon and what, um, you know, you've boosted and favorited. And one of the things that I noticed is that you're very much an advocate mm. for public health for, for yeah. you know, in, in particular, you know, I maybe these just stand out to me, but, you know, I, I notice a lot of LGBTQ um, advocacy, but you didn't write or you didn't mention that one. You haven't, you know, in the 10 minutes we've spoken. I think I feel very powerless in my advocacy. I, I'm often angry and don't know what to do with it. I would have I would have claimed 15 years ago I don't have an anger problem because I'm often or excuse me, I'm seldom outwardly angry. What someone might look at and say, oh, that person's angry. Uh, but gosh, so much anger. And a lot of that's with what do I do with this? Right. Uh, and I, I don't know. I vote. That's that's minimally gratifying, <laughs> depending on where <laughs> one lives. Pretty um, minimally. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'll attend uh, rallies. I'll sign petitions. I'll, I'll donate money. Uh, but. Part of me would love to be able to grab the mic, so to speak, right. and put out this just face-melting message that would change everyone's mind, but I don't have that platform, and I'm no, I don't have that articulation. I don't possess what it takes to, to be that person, and so I probably need to look for those people and, and boost them and help support them. Interesting, because honestly, I mean, what, you, what we've talked about in, you know, 10 minutes, clearly you're an articulate person and a thoughtful person, but you don't, you don't feel you, you could put the message out in a way that that would be heard. Is that what you mean? Or I've not found a way or what would be appropriate. So why is the advocacy important to you? I think it goes back to that sense of justice. Uh, my, my, you know, go back to my, my conception of a higher power is very community based, uh, communal, um, I am no more important or less important than anyone else. And so if I'm going, and I, I believe that, and what's that look like in practice? And if, if I look around and I see individuals in my community, and that could be greater community that are not, that are being denied some of the same things I wake up and take for granted. Why would I not fight for that? It's a good point. Or how, or, or how can I not fight for that? Uh, that that's, that's, the way I think about it, but at the end, but then I'm left with that anger of like, ooh, how best do I fight for that? What what's right. actually going to be effective? Mm -hmm. well, I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, just the fact is a personal message for me. Just the fact that you are passionate about that, that you want to see justice, like that means something to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very difficult, obviously, <clears throat> you know, in in society today. You know, now we're having we're having discussions, you know, like if I go out in public and I want to go pee or if I need to, I suppose you right. don't just go, you know, right. but this be become a huge topic. Right. You know, so the fact that you're that you're willing to to consider that, I mean, thank you is, is partly where I'm going. Thank you for that. Um, you know, I see that as, as, as a at least through Mastodon as a core component, you know, of the person you are. And, you know, maybe this is just. Um, I don't want to say just, um, but, you know, maybe this is the, the aspect of justice that, um, <clears throat> you know, that you continue to, to pursue 
So, so tell me, so that's one aspect of your passion. I mean, that I, that I see, you had mentioned a passionate person. I mean, so, so social, you know, social issues, you, you have hinted at that you are a physician. Mm -hmm. How does that play into, you know, who you are and, and, uh, you know, you in general, how does that play into that? I think it has to be part of my true core identity um, because I've recognized with my uh, general practice physician from a very young age and just admire him, uh, what he did, what he did for the community, his standing in the community. That was a draw as well. But then later on, when I was having to pick what I was going to do, I didn't want to sell anything. Uh, I wanted it to be uh, what I did authentic. I wanted it to be, quote unquote, good wanted it to be helpful. I, I did want it to be scientific. And, and so it seemed like a decent fit. I could make a decent living at it. And that worked out okay. And I was able to, to do it. Uh, but having been a physician, I've even fallen more in love with what I do mm-hmm. with my profession. And uh, um so I mentioned I'm a clinician. I'm not an academic. I try to take the, the literature and uh, determine what's good, pay attention to professional organizations that I think are legitimate and follow their recommendations. But I'm not doing research. I'm, mm-hmm. not, into P, I'm not into P values and things like that. Uh, tell me it's evidence-based or let me yeah, read something convincingly evidence-based and I'm going to apply that in my practice. However, that's just part of what I do uh, I try to improve an individual's quality of life and I try, I try to be effective by making them as effective as they can be. If they're not healthy and able to get around, I try to make it to where they can. Right. If they're having complications of a disease that prevents them from getting out. I try to relieve that. If they're, um, I do a lot of primary care psychiatry. If they got a bunch of vegetative symptoms and they're just not doing anything and they have no motivation. I try to improve that so then they can get out and pursue those things they love and help those people they love. And to, to see successes along those lines is gosh, is the most gratifying part of my job. Oh, sure. You, you, you use the phrase though, that you are not scientific, but then you not talk academic. about academic. Not academic. All right. All right. Because I wasn't sure if that meant, um, you know, you, ba- you, you base your decisions on observation as opposed to, say, statistics. No, I mean, I, I, I mean, I do have a lot of experience at this point. And so for Certainly. diagnostic reasons, it's, gosh, I rely most heavily on my history. I get 85% right. from just talking to the patient. Uh, but no, with, with treatment, um, with interventions, I try to be as evidence-based as I can be. And so, yes, scientific, but not not so much in academic. I would probably not be the greatest um, undergraduate medical education faculty member. I am considering a, a graduate medical education, so a residency teaching position mm-hmm. with our move. But, um, again, it would be mostly applied clinical work. But, but certainly valuable in in our society oh yeah yeah a a lot of what i i feel we oh i'm gonna go off on a tangent a lot of what i feel you know medicine has become is is uh you know sort of half-baked 
science. My, you know, my background is analytical chemistry. So statistics and data analysis, those are the things that I look at. And so it's amazing how you can you can take the same set of data and say, you know, the world's going to end tomorrow because of because of, you know, this the, uh, a snowballing climate change or deny it entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Those are those are relatively different, you know, yes. viewpoints and, and same set of data because, you know, it's kind of d- tough to falsify like the weather. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I suppose you could misrepresent that, but I think it'd be well, t- it's yeah, it's it's chosen narrative over data, in my opinion. Exactly. So I once had an I once had a hospital administrator who uh, I was pointing out something was one of the quality metrics that that that's what we're judged by. Oh, sure, sure. These quality metrics, and one of them relates to blood pressure control, and uh, they were being paid more for a certain level of blood pressure control, but it was a number lower than what was considered recommended for a certain age group. Oh, I and I see. tried to point out that we are being financially incentivized to treat people to potentially a dangerously low level of blood pressure. Right. And when that position statement was put out, there was probably a number needed to harm that was known. Right. Yet, and I had someone, they, they said to me, I'm a board certified geriatrician, but this is what we're going. He says, you're not telling me anything I don't know, but this is what we're going with. Right. And right. I was just the next year I left. I've been in public health since. Oh sure, it's a toe the party line kind of thing, right? <laughs> you don't you don't want to you don't want to make the people who pay you upset. Yeah, <laughs> so. and it was and I can understand that, but this person was a physician. Oh sure, and so there were certain professional principles that were really supposed to trump any possible financial incentive. Oh, oh you would think, and oh. so I was I was just. And they always looked at me as if I had three heads when I talked to them along those lines. <laughs> just amazing. Right. To say, oh, we're <laughs> supposed to, we, we should probably, you know, prefer health here as opposed to, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever it is our people are asking us to do. But yeah, that's, that's, we can have a long conversation about that. <laughs> the, the idea that, yeah. that, uh, you know, public officials are are more willing to consider you know, do I get reelected yeah. over do I do the right thing? But yeah, just just yesterday, a, a state lawmaker in the county that we anticipate moving to Charlotte, North Carolina, Mecklenburg mm-hmm. County, who's switching parties. And I think she's even a an Emily's list listed person. And she's just flipping from Democrat to Republican. And I don't know why or if there's any recall recourse that's even available to the voters there. But right, right. It's back to my anger issues. Right, right. See well, how angry I look at me. See how angry I am. Yes, you're you're frightening me <laughs> with that big grin. So, all right. So, because I, I know this could turn into a big long political discussion that that neither of us probably okay. wants to go out, uh, you know, on the internet. But so so you mentioned deliberate, and I'm I'm hearing there are a few things that that you've said, you know, in terms of decisions you've made. Um, how does deliberate express, you know, how do you express deliberate in your life? I think part of it will be even evident to myself whenever I listen to this recording, just the way I speak. I try to be very deliberate and choose what I'm saying carefully, yes. even though I didn't, I do tend to use analogies. I do tend to be sarcastic, um, but I just try to be succinct with what I say and, and attempt to say truly what I mean and not mm-hmm. use a lot of hyperbole 
um, and try to be aware that, uh, I mean, looking at my passport photo, I am the, unfortunately, our society's default. 50-year-old white guy, parts his hair on the left. <laughs> sure. Blue eyes, brown hair. I mean, it's just like, and so I try to be aware of that it is so easy. The opportunities I would have to punch down are everywhere. Verbally. And so mm-hmm. I just try to be very aware of that. You know, I'm sure at one point I was a walking microaggression and I just try to be more deliberate, more thoughtful with my interactions with, with everyone. Sure. You're saying, you know, in the society at large is what you're saying. Yeah. You're, yeah. Even, right. even with individuals who would look a lot like me and probably have some of those def- that default thinking, I try to be very deliberate also not to reinforce um some of the just white male protestant assumptions of our um our national speech right yeah i mean west yeah i guess western society you know Mm -hmm. in general so well you know on on that note or at least a related note one word you did not use was your name so you did not use shannon why is that? And I don't know why. I can't answer it, but it's a it's an interesting observation. Um, I like that my name is uncommon. I like that I often walk into exam rooms and have people look at me like, well, you're not what I was expecting. It's like, right. I, I can go out and change and come back <laughs> in to be what you expect, if that's okay. Or um I said, oh, you may have been expecting a, a female physician. They go, yes. Right. I said, is that okay? Is that a problem? And sometimes they may initially be, but then after talking with me, it's like, well, now it's okay. Or it's like, mm-hmm. now, yeah, I'm, I'm here for an issue that I was really expecting and wanting to have a female provider. So let's work on that. Um, but and it's, it's one of those automatic thinking things, my name now. You know, Shannon, I just don't even think about it, but it's probably a word that if I said 20 times slowly by the end of that recitation, it would, it would, it would sound funny to me. Sure. Um, and yeah, and I'm, I don't, for me, my name just is not a big part of my identity. Mm-hmm. I get called Sean a lot, Shane a lot. And it just, and maybe I've learned to just where that used to maybe have bothered me. It just doesn't anymore. Or if someone would assumed or misgendered me based on my name, it just doesn't bug me anymore. I kind of get a little fun out of it. It's like, oh, let's let's have fun with our assumptions. You assumed I was a woman. Get surprised. Right. right. Um, uh, yeah. So provocateur. That's that's not part of my identity, but that is one of my uh recreations. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that that's a beautiful lead. I mean, I'm curious if there's a a connection between oh, I got to figure out how to how to put this together. I wonder if there is a connection between, you know, through your life, people have expected something different of you in particular gender, you know, that they would that mm-hmm. they would expect, you know, a, a, a woman gender based on name. Do you think that helped inform why or drive, you know, your advo- advocacy today around LGBT issues? I don't think so at all. Interesting. I really, I really, no. 
I would just say, no, that's, that's not part of it. Mm -hmm. I think a, what has formed, I think, I think it's my experiences. Starting back, I mean, I was, I was raised in a uh, household with a lot of, with a decent amount of racism or a lot of racism. And there was racism present. Any sure. racism too much. Agreed. Um, but I was raised in a, I mean, they weren't going out and championing for race, but the comments and the, what was taught to me as far as my place in the world relationship to others was, was, was racist. Uh, it was classist, even though we were, had, my family had filed bankruptcy in my early teens. So hmm. they struggled significantly throughout my teen years, which are formative years. And so I think that's where some of my work ethic came from. So we're, you know, let's call, call ourselves back into a comfortable position. Um, but then going through college, not realizing I was benefiting from some of what I mentioned earlier, that whenever it was time to apply for medical school, that yes, some of it was those grades and that MCAT score and that volunteering, but some of it was, I look exactly like what the admissions committee expects to see. Right. And that didn't come until 15, 20 years later that I started to recognize some of my privilege that I had enjoyed. And then um, taking care of the have-nots in medical school mm -hmm. was very impactful. Um, living in a neighborhood later on as an adult with both haves and have-nots was very impactful. Uh, volunteer work that my wife and I have both done, and then just my career in general and getting into public health. Um, my experiences has formed and informed my positions on what would be advocacy or what I would pursue as advocacy. Right. And a lot of, I mean, I've been, thankfully, fairly teachable over the last 15 years. And my wife has done a lot of my teaching. I brought some, um, yeah, I brought some sexism to our relationship and some expectations of roles and things. And she, she thankfully has been assertive and has quickly smacked me on top of the head, proverbially, uh, proverbially, and uh, put me in my place when I needed to be. And I have thankfully been open to that. And yes, uh, I'm, I'm glad you have. It's yeah, it's been a uh, I mean, she's been a uh, a huge impact on me positively and we are both so thankful that together we were able to come out of conservative politically conservative households and migrate leftward together mm -hmm. i cannot imagine being in a romantic relationship partnership with someone who is on the right side of the political aisle it's important I mean, it would it's it's too much of what we talk about it's too much of what we're both passionate about uh, it's too much of what we both care about it's it's a lot of just who we are, really. I guess so. Part of our identity. Yes. <laughs> so, so Shannon, I have one one more question, and forgive me. So nobody can see this because, of course, this is a podcast. But I'm looking at a. It looks like a painting behind okay. you. So I'm going to try to describe this. So I'm not familiar with the painting nor nor the artist. It looks like Valves is the uh, the artist. Mm -hmm. but I'm looking at it. Looks like um, a panda bear with a big grin, 
and uh, and like a, a a sort of a chartreuse. Sorry, these are the words I use. Yeah, amethyst, amethyst and chartreuse. So okay. chartreuse sort of sort of shift on. So it's a panda bear. Can you tell me a little bit about this panda bear painting? Uh, they, uh, the artist is Marius Valdez, who I believe is from upstate South Carolina. Okay, maybe he's just known there and his work got foothold there. But I believe he's from there, and we have some other pieces. And uh, you know, it's a bit elementary or juvenile in some ways. Uh, it looks like a really good drawing a, a kindergartner would do, but the, the smile is almost a little unsettling with those. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. Yes, those bug eyes. I don't mm-hmm. know if he's uh, if he's smiling or if he's embarrassed or if he's just on like a three espresso high. But he's very <laughs> he's very intense and almost a, a panda version of Cornholio. If you were ever a watcher of Beavis and Butthead, yes, I remember that. Yes, and. Uh, there are some days where I'm like that, where I'm just just amped and a little extra, as mm-hmm. the kids say these days. And uh, he just makes me happy. And okay. I don't know if he's I don't know if he's unsettling for others, because this is the guest room that I'm in. Uh, yeah, I can imagine waking up in the web residence. <laughs> wow, wow, it's great to be here with Uncle Shannon. Oh my God, what am I looking at on the wall? Right. <laughs> yeah, he can be a bit intense, as, as can I. Yes, but I like that for what it's worth. So let me paint. I've been taking notes like I do. Um, Let me paint a picture that I see of of Shannon Webb. So the things that we've spoken about, we actually didn't talk about dad, but but, uh, the things that you had mentioned early on, you did mention guidance from, you know, not necessarily guidance, but but following a higher power, uh, being a physician. You also mentioned being authentic, and I think that authenticity certainly has has shown itself in in your your deliberateness, your passion, particularly for public health and and other uh, you know other aspects of health in general. You also ex- uh, expressed a lot of care for justice, for doing the right thing and and doing it because it's the right thing to do, as opposed to because it's going to you know, make money or reelect you, et cetera. So I see a man who who exercises his curiosity and despite saying maybe not an academic, certainly a person who is very uh, kind and wise. And that's my, that's my portrait of Shannon Webb. <laughs> well, thank you. That, uh, I would, uh, that seems to be a positive one. It was positive. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and I hope is accurate. Oh, I hope it's accurate too. But if it's not, it doesn't make a difference. It makes good, okay. you know, radio, as it were. I'll edit that piece out. <laughs> so there, there was that was how I was described by one of my attendings in residency was intense. Okay, intense. Intense. Well, I, that's the I see that in in the deliberateness. Yes, and 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 a pursuit of of you know accuracy and and justice, fairness. Um. You strike me as a kind of person that, uh, you know, it's, I don't know if it's, if it's intense, but certainly, you know, not easily, not easily bullshitted as it were. So I, I tend nobody to be, got time for bullshit. Right. So Shannon, thank you so much um, for talking to me about who you are. I definitely appreciate it.
well, a couple of moments of intensity, but very few of bullshit. Shannon, thank you again for talking to me. I think you're an awesome person. Let's keep in touch. I hope you enjoy this episode of Why Are You? If you did, please consider subscribing to my Substack publication. You will find all the information in the show notes. And until next time, keep in mind that burning question, why are you?